Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts, the 11th chapter, Acts chapter 11. Majority of our text this morning will come from the book of Acts, so if you'd like to open there and follow along, I would encourage you to do so. I'll add my welcome to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being here. It is uh, truly a blessing to have so many in our midst this morning. We are a New Testament church, and we pattern ourselves after what we find in the New Testament. And we seek to serve our God in that way. And if we fall short in that manner, please let us know. But it is indeed our intention to, to do those things that we have been commanded to do on the first day of the week. Thank you all very much for being here this morning. I want to say a special um, thank you to the Henderson family who are here visiting with me for a few days. Um, they're dear, dear friends of mine. And uh, it's good to have them here, and it's good to be able to put the men to work while they're here as well. So thank you all for, uh, for being here with me. You know, um, as Christians, uh, we benefit greatly from the church. If you think about just what we're seeing here this morning, looking around and uh, seeing the smiling faces and being able to join our voices together in song, it's very encouraging, isn't it? Very encouraging. We have the privilege of being the Lord's body. That's what we come together as, as the Lord's body. We have each other to lean on in times of trouble. And we have uh, each other to, sh to share when the times are good. The church is the foundation also of our learning. You know, we come together and one of the things that we engage in is listening to the scriptures. Hearing the word of God. And that's an important thing. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, in verse 15, as he's talking about the church, he calls it the household of God, the church of the living God. Remember what he says there about the church? It's the pillar and support of the truth. So when we come together, we need to make sure that we are doing all those things that are in truth. Because that's what the church is. Amongst this, we must understand, though, that the church is not a lifeless institution. You know, the church is not this building. One way to think about it is the church is meeting in this building. These four walls and this roof are not the church. We're the church. It's made up of human beings, of Christians, those who have put on Christ, those who have surrendered to Christ in baptism. So therefore, we have a responsibility, responsibility to make sure that the church is following that pattern that we see in the New Testament. We have to make sure that we abide by the things that we see in the New Testament as far as the church and the worship goes. And we have commands about how to do that. We have generic uh, or general commands and we have specific commands. And we see how we are to pattern the church. We can open the, the pages of the New Testament and we can start a church. We don't need anything else. Among that, we also have examples. The Holy Spirit has seen fit to give us examples of churches that are functioning. One of those examples is the church in Antioch. And that's really what I'd like to talk about this morning is this church in Antioch that we read about here in the, uh, in the scriptures in the book of Acts. And in Antioch we see a strong church that is engaging in the Lord's work. And we can learn a lot from their example. 
So this morning I'd like for us to consider some aspects of the church in Antioch. Some aspects that made it such a strong church. So as we go through this morning, let's think about those things, some of those things. Let's think about what this church was engaged in and the lessons that we can learn from it. So let's talk about some aspects of a strong church. And it starts with, as you might imagine, a firm foundation. So if you're there in Acts chapter 11, read with me, beginning in verse 19. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. It says, so then, uh, so then those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, to Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and the faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came about that an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So as we begin our thoughts here, let's understand as we see that the church in Antioch started with a firm foundation, the church benefited from the persecution. Now that might sound counterintuitive, but this is what Luke mentions here as he begins. He says there, so then arose the scattering because of the persecution arose in connection with Stephen. If you look back in chapter 8, in verse 1, this is right after the, the events of, that happened with Stephen. It says there in verse 1, And Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, that is, putting Stephen to death. And look what it says now. And on that day a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And if you look over in verse 4, it says, Therefore who, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. So the church in Antioch benefited from these being dispersed out of Jerusalem. This is, by the way, God's plan. They were going to start there in Jerusalem, and then it was going to go into Judea, into Samaria, into all parts of the world. And this is how the gospel was going to be spread. So these who would think that they were putting down the spread of the gospel were, in fact, falling right into what God had planned all along. So the church here in Antioch benefited from this. They, these men came to Antioch and they were preaching. What were they preaching? The Lord Jesus. Simple. That's what they were preaching as they came there. And as a result, many were being uh, taught. Many were being converted. If you look there in verse 21, it says there, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. If you come down to verse 24, the second part, and a considerable numbers, numbers were brought to the Lord. As a result of this, many were being taught. This is good. This is the way God wanted it to happen. It says there that the hand of the Lord was with them. Why? 
Do we see, read anything particularly miraculous going on here at Antioch? No, we don't. We, we'll read here in just a moment about some prophets, and certainly with Saul being there, they benefited from that. But the hand of the Lord was with them because this is what God wanted. And this is what God continues to want. He wants the word of the Lord to continue to go forth, the gospel to go forth. So when he talks about the hand of the Lord being with them, this is what God wanted. In Matthew's recording of the Great Commission, when Jesus commissions his apostles there, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have taught you. This is what God wanted. This is what Jesus commissioned his apostles to do, to go into all the world and teach. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, it says there about how God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So why is the hand of the Lord with them? Because they're doing what God wanted them to do. They were encouraged to stay strong. Verses 22 and 23, when Barnabas had come down from, from Jerusalem, it says there in verse uh, 23, Then when he had come and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began encouraging them with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. We always need to be reminded to stay faithful, don't we? It's a common thing in scriptures to be reminded to stay faithful. So it shouldn't strike us as anything odd that when Barnabas comes down from Jerusalem, he says, stay strong. Think about Joshua, when he takes over the reins from Moses. Remember what God tells him? Be courageous. Be strong and courageous. So this goes back a long time. That we're reminded to be faithful. And we always need to remember that. And as we're praying for each other and encouraging one another, Encourage one another to be faithful. It's important. It says there that they, these men who were coming and teaching them were faithful men. You look there in verse 26. It says, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came about that the entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. This is when Paul, uh, Barnabas goes and finds Saul, brings him back. These are faithful men that are teaching them. And what does it say? It stayed, they stayed there about a year. These men were faithfully teaching and preaching the gospel over a period of time. And we see here at the end of, the, of this account that this is the first place where the disciples were called Christians. And that's interesting, isn't it? Here's the first place. And we've had lessons before about what discipleship means. A disciple is a follower, a learner. So these followers and learners of Christ are now being called Christians. So they're still disciples, they're still followers, still learners. But now they have this added component in that it's in the name of Christ. A Christian is following after Christ. If we, hear, if we wear that name, we must conduct ourselves in the proper manner, knowing that that name means something. If we call ourselves Christian, it means something. It means that we're trying to pattern our lives after our Lord, Jesus Christ. And that's a sobering thing to think about. 
Another aspect about the church here in Antioch is that they were working hard for the Lord. Turn over with me to chapter 13 in the book of Acts. Read with me verses 1 through 4. It says, Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, So being sent by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. We see a, a hard-working church here. It begins by understanding they had prophets and teachers. That's what Luke records for us. There are men there that are teaching. There are men there that are prophets. Now, the prophecy was a special gift, a miraculous gift that those of the first century had. But there's teachers there also. They're teaching the word. These faithful men continued to work with them. Remember, we, we, we left them there in, in chapter 11, then we come back to chapter 13, and here's the church in Antioch, spoken of again, and they're working. And there's Saul. Remember who Saul is, right? He'd just been converted back in chapter 9. He had been out persecuting Christians. Now look what he's doing. He's helping this church in Antioch. He had a hard time when, after he was first con converted. Remember, he went to Jerusalem, and the brethren there didn't want to accept him. But now look at him. He's here in Antioch. He's helping to grow this church, strengthening and encouraging and teaching them. And he plays a very important role in the church here in Antioch. We see a church that's engaged in the work. It says there in verse 2 that they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Now this is before what's going to be said about the Holy Spirit commissioning this missionary journey. Before that, what were they doing? They were ministering to the Lord and they were fasting. It means they were engaged in the work and they were serious about it. And they were already doing this before the Holy Spirit called for Barnabas and Saul. It shows that they were committed to it. That they were engaged in it. There were some prophets there, as, as is mentioned here. But otherwise, they were being strengthened by the teaching. We see a church here that goes about sending forth the gospel. They're commissioned there in the, by the Holy Spirit, verse 2. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, so again, this is, they're engaged in the work already. The Holy Spirit says, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And then verse 4, we, we read there about how the Holy Spirit sent them out. This is Paul and Barnabas going out on the first missionary journey. They're being sent out from the church in Antioch. They were commissioned by the Holy Spirit. I think about how important it is for the word of God to sound forth from a church. This is not the only place where we see this. Brad read for us there from 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8. 
It says, for the Lord, this is Paul commending the Thessalonians for what they were doing. It says, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith or God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. The word of God is sounding forth from this congregation. The Thessalonians, Maniac. How important is it for the word of God to sound forth from a congregation? Just as a reminder, this is where Paul's going to start. Here's Antioch. This white line is the, him going out on his missionary journey. By the way, this is Antioch of Syria. He's going to pass through Antioch of Pisidia. Both of those towns are spoken of. But this is the church in Antioch sending him out, him and Barnabas, so that they may continue to sound forth the gospel, the word of God. Holy Spirit commissioned them. The church at Antioch sent them out. Another aspect about the church here at Antioch is that it was anxious to grow. Look now with me in chapter 14 of Acts. Beginning verse 24, Acts 14, beginning verse 24. It says, And they passed through Pisidia, that's what we mentioned there, the region of Pisidia, and came into Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word at Perga, they went down to Atalia, and from there they sailed to Antioch. From which, they had gone, uh, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And they arrived and gathered the church together and began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. So here we have Paul and Barnabas returning to Antioch. They're, they're returning to the church that sent them out. And what's so, what strikes me about this is a, something that's, that Luke puts in here, and we're going to look at it again in another account here in just a second. But he says that they gathered the church together. Now, as we know about Luke, he was a physician. He was of a scientific mind. He was of a historical mind. So when he writes things, he, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. So a lot of things kind of get lost in that very um, sequential way in which Luke writes. But don't let this escape you. He gathered the church together. I think about Cornelius. Remember the accounting of, of him being converted, how he sees a vision uh, to send for Peter, and Peter comes to him. And, and Cornelius says, okay, Peter, this is the vision that I had. Now you have come here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 33. It says, So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all present here before God to hear what you have been commanded by the Lord. Cornelius was a good man. We know that from the very beginning of Acts chapter 10. And he gathered together his household, his friends, his family, so that what? So that they could hear the word of God. So here this church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas are returning from their trip from which they had been sent out. And they called the church together to hear what they had to say. Do we have that much enthusiasm? When we're called together, 
Yes, we come together on the first day of the week, but we also come together tonight. We also come together in the middle of the week. We also have gospel meetings throughout the year, at least one. Are we coming together? Are we enthusiastic about what the men who are going to speak have to say? The church in Antioch was. They wanted to hear. They wanted to hear all about what they had, what they had done, the, the conversions that they had made. So they welcomed the reporting. They wanted to hear what was being said. It says that they spent a long time there. So there's a, a continuation of the teaching. Even though they had gone out and now they were back, they says that they spent a long time there. So they were committed to the teaching and committed for that to keep going forward. Look with me now over in chapter 15. If you remember the accounts in chapter 15, after they returned from their missionary journey, there's a, uh, there's a council at Jerusalem. There were some who were, who were saying that you had to be circumcised in order to, to, hold, to maintain the law. And so there was a council that took place in Jerusalem where they worked some of these issues out. The, prof, uh, the, the apostles that were there, the elders at the church in Jerusalem, including James, the Lord's brother, who was an elder there. So they worked all these things out. And they sent... They, they, they said, well, we're going to write this down and we're going to send a letter out to all the churches so that they'll know. And guess where the first church they sent was? It was Antioch. We get to verse 30. Acts chapter 15 and verse 30. It says, so when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. And after they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching, with many others also, the word of the Lord. So as we mentioned there, they gathered the church together. Isn't that Interesting that this happens twice. So here are these coming from Jerusalem, and they have something to say. They have something to tell the brethren at Antioch. So they gathered the church together. And we see them welcoming the Lord's teaching through these apostles and through the elders at Jerusalem. Verse 22, uh, I beg your pardon, um, what they had to say was welcomed by them. If you look there in verse uh, 32, And Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. In verse 31, it says, They rejoiced because of its encouragement. They rejoiced because of encouragement. And the letter that they sent them was telling them things not to do. But they were rejoicing because they knew what it meant. They knew that the teaching and the preaching about the gospel was continuing to sound forth. And they wanted to hear it. And they were strengthened by a lengthy message. hope this one's not too lengthy. But I hope you're being strengthened by the words that you are hearing this morning. This is one of the reasons we come together, so that we can hear the word of God and be strengthened by it. It says that Saul, uh, Silas and Paul and Barnabas stayed on to continue to teach and preach. So here they are again. They're staying on. They're committed to the work. The church here in Antioch is, is such a great example of, 
of a well-functioning, strong church. So let's ask ourselves some questions. Are we following Antioch's example? Are we embracing sound teaching? Are we making sure that what we're hearing and, and studying is sound? And are the men that are um, bringing this to us, are they faithful men? Larry's teaching the Bible class this morning. Chuck's taught classes in the past. I've taught classes here. I'm preaching a lesson now. Are these faithful men? We need to make sure that we are. We need to make sure that we're remaining faithful so that the words that we say can sound forth with authority, knowing that they're coming from the Word of God. And do we wear that name Christian as we should? That name means something. It means that we are patterning our life after our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't wear that name lightly. Are we zealously engaged in the work? We see the church in Antioch. They were uh, ministering for the Lord and fasting. They were committed to what they were doing. Are we doing the same thing? Are we zealously uh, following after our Lord Jesus Christ? Are we sending forth the gospel? Are we making sure that we're doing everything in our power to make sure that the gospel sounds forth from this place? This place where we gather. This body that we are. We need to be sending forth the gospel from here. Are we anxious to grow in our faith? Time and time again we see the brethren at Antioch. You can almost, again, Luke's writing doesn't always... Uh, color in some of the things here, but, but from just what is being said here, we can see that these are uh, brethren that are committed and anxious to continue in the work. Are we? Are we like them? Are we willing to be gathered together? You know, here at the, the, the church is being gathered together to hear these things. Are we that willing to be gathered together? You know, attendance is one of those things that we talk about. And there's things to be said about that that's in a whole other lesson. But from what we are looking at right here, we see a church that's anxious to come together and hear the Word of God, hear what's been going on. It's a good lesson in that for us. We should be the same way. We should be anxious to come here, to come together as the Lord's body. And are we strengthened? When we hear sound doctrine. You know, that letter that went forth out of Jerusalem had some things to say about meat sacrificed to idols and blood and some other things like that. Not necessarily the most encouraging letter. But they were encouraged to hear it. They were encouraged to receive it. Correction is not always taken well, but it's important. We talked about in our family class about the Lord disciplines those who he loves. So take that discipline in the right way. Chuck mentioned this morning that we're here because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I like to think he was listening to my message last week when I talked about that. We're here because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as his body... We have responsibilities to, to remain faithful, 
to sound forth the gospel, to encourage each other. But if you're not a child of God, you don't belong to the church's body. You don't belong to the Lord's body. You don't belong to the church. If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to study, to know what it means, to understand the commitment that you're making, and then make the commitment. Become a child of God. If you're here this morning, you're not a child, or you are a child of God, maybe you're stumbled. Maybe you're not following the good examples that Scripture gives for us. And you need the prayers of the congregation. We can help you with that. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.